Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, it is our confession that they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And family, we're going to say our Bible confession together. You know, before we begin to dig into the word of God, we like to say this confession. Is it necessary? No, but it puts us in the right frame of mind. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, our first image for today is one you've seen before. It's the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to be reading that out of the King James Version. It only has six verses. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've already stated that this psalm conveys faith and peace. It talks about God and how he cares for us and how he is so attentive to us as we go through life. It talks about God being there through the good times and the bad. We could take this psalm and overlay it with what I call a hill-valley trend or a high-low trend or an up-down trend. Let me show you. Look at this image. When you read this psalm, it starts off not so bad. It starts up where you have green pastures and still waters and your soul being restored and the path of righteousness. And then we hit a, a yay, though. Anybody ever been up and then hit a yay, though, in your life? Yay, though, they tripping at the job. Yay, though, my wife tripping. Yay, though, my husband tripping. Yay, though, where these kids come from. Yay, though, anybody ever have a yay, though, moment? Yay, though, 
life takes a turn. And so you go from the top of the hill all of a sudden in the valley of the shadow of death where you hear words like evil and fear. But even in that position, God is preparing tables before your enemies, letting you know that he is there. But you're in the valley. But he comes out of the valley because God's anointing his head with oil. He's got a cup that's brimming over with provision and blessings. Oh, and then goodness and mercy helping him get up the hill and ended up way back in the house of the Lord. You can see this trend. Remember when we said David wrote this psalm towards the end of his life? That tells us something. At least it tells me something. It tells me that the David who lived out this psalm is not necessarily the same David who wrote the psalm. Now, it's the same David, David. I mean, he has the same biology. He has the same DNA. He got the same mom and the same daddy. He still like chunky monkey ice cream. It's the same David. Physically the same David. Chemically the same David. But the David that wrote this is different than the David that lived it. You see, the David that was living it at the time, that David was, well... Young and foolish. The David that wrote it, that David was aged and mature. The David that lived it, that David is, well, kind of ignorant. But the David that wrote it, wise. The David that lived each day of that psalm, different than the David that wrote the psalm. I would even go as far as to say that it's very likely that the David that was living the psalm at the time, that David did not always have the greatest confidence that God was there. Didn't always have the greatest confidence that God knows best, that God is going to provide, that God is going to get me through, that God is going to work it out, that all things going to work out for my good, that God is really good. The David that was actually going up and down these hills and valleys maybe didn't always have it locked in, but this mature David that wrote this thing, because he can now step back and look at his life and look at the hills and the valleys, that David can say, oh, God is definitely good. And no matter what's going on in life, God is definitely good. That David can step back and look at his life and say, who but God can take a young man who's the youngest in his clan, a shepherd boy, and elevate him to be king? Amen. Who but God can take a young man who has a sling and a few stones and cause him to defeat a mighty Goliath who's the champion of the enemy? Who but God can take a boy from leading sheep to leading a nation? Who but God can take a boy who, let me say this, who's been stepping in sheep poop and now have him standing on marble floors? Who but God can take somebody who's dressed as a shepherd and suddenly switch everything around and now they're draped in silk and fine linen as king? 
Who but God can do that? He can look back over this trend and say, oh, my God, I know God is good. Now, the David that was living at the time might not have been able to say this. The David who before he got anointed by Samuel as king, whose father in the message Bible called him the runt. Perhaps that David doesn't see that. But get this, the David who wrote this, though, when he looks at that trend, he knows that when he was up on top, God was there and God was good. When he went through the downturn, God was there and God was good. When he got in the valley, and he ran against some enemies, and his friends forsake him, and the money got short. All those things, he can look back and say, God was there, and God is good. On the upswing, God is there, God is good. Back on top, God is there, God is good. It doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the calamity. God is always there, and God is always good. The David that wrote the psalm says that. Why? Because he can look back now through experience. That's what makes this psalm so significant to us. It's not just somebody bumping their gums. It's somebody that has some age and wisdom behind their words. This same David, who is now wiser, also wrote this. Look at this, Psalm 37. David said, Psalm 37, verse 25 in the King James Version, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David said, listen, I'm not talking to you from the standpoint of someone who just was born yesterday. I'm telling you what I've never seen. Amplified classic. I have been young and now I am old. Yet, I, I, yet have I not seen the uncompromisingly righteousness. The Amplified don't give you much room. I like that about it. But forsaken or their seed begging bread. The Message Bible. I once was young, now I'm graybeard. I'm a graybeard. Not once have I seen an abandoned believer or his kids out roaming the streets. Easy to read. I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen good people left with no one to help them. I have never seen their children begging for food. And now as a group, we're going to read the voice translation of the voice version from this. Ready, go. Through my whole life, young and old, I have never witnessed God forsaking those who do right, nor have I seen their children begging for crumbs. I have never in my whole life seen God forsake his people. Back to the trend. This same David wrote Psalm 23. I have never seen God forsake his people, ever. That's what makes the psalm so powerful. And that's what makes the 23rd Psalm something that we can latch on to as believers and carry through our own life. 
through our own ups and downs, through our trials and tribulations. Do you know David wrote that psalm about 1000 B.C.? And when you read that, if I tell you that Psalm 23 is what you should hold on to, or at least, you know, the whole Bible, but is one that you should hold on to with the mindset that is written from experience, you might take that and run with it. But what if I also tell you that David is not the only person in this life that can tell you that God is good. David was the 23rd psalmist here. But we have 23rd psalmist living today in our era. People that can explain to you their plight. That can talk to you about what went on in their life and how, looking back on it all now, they can say, God is a good shepherd. There are people among us, among us, who can say without a doubt, David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but they can say, I've been through and now I'm on top. I've been down and now I'm up. I've been hurt, but now I'm stronger. I've been scared, but now I got courage. They can say that because why? They know from experience that God is good. Another word for psalm is song. It's a synonym among other synonyms for the word song. We have for this session an individual who has agreed to share their psalm. Her name is Angela. She is my sister. And this is Angela's song. Give God some praise for her. Now, while she sits there and, and gets, her, gets her, her bearings, get her, because I know um, we've talked about some things and I know she also took some notes. I, I, want you, I want you to know that this is not just special for me because she's my sister. You all know how I feel about my sister. I'm not going to steal her thunder, but I will say this is monumental. And she did not agree to do this on a whim. Because, one, I know she cares for me. And because, two, she cares for you. She's willing to speak. But in her speaking, she knows also because she said she too will be blessed Amen. from sharing. That's right. I'm going to, before I have my seat, I'm going to ask her just to give an overview. It'll kind of share why she's there, why she's here. And remember, we're talking about the peace within. 
and we said faith in God is what gives you peace. Faith that God is there. Faith that he will provide. That's what's going to give you peace. Give me my next image. So as she prepares to begin, I'm going to have a seat next to her soon. If we were to ask David, if he were present and say, David, summarize Psalm 23 for me. He would put it in just very succinct words. He would say, Benjamin, all I need to say is through it all, God. Through it all, God. Whether I was up, God. Whether I was on the way down, God. Whether I was in the valley, God. Whether I was on the way up, God. Whether back on the top, God. Whether I was scared, God. Whether I had money, God. Whether I had somebody to love me or not on this earth, God. Whether friends like me, God. Whether the, hey, whether the church was tripping, God. God, God, God. For protection, for provision, for comfort, for safe favor, for peace, through it all, God. God. Sometimes, though, it's hard to make that statement when you're in the mix. But if God can put people before us that can look you in the eye and tell you to your face with full confidence, that God is there. No matter how dark the day, God is there. No matter how lonely you feel, God is there. No matter what you're going through, God is there. There are people who are 23rd psalmist today. Angela, go ahead and share your song. Can you all hear? Okay, keep talking. I don't, I don't hear her yet. Crank it all the way up. Not yet. Okay, let's check. Hey, let me pass you this mic. And go ahead and use that one. Go ahead and stand up. This is a, a, a brief intermission while we... Okay, I've turned your mic back on. Try it now. That good? Okay. Okay, good morning. Good morning. This is totally out the box for me because Ben knows I don't like talking in front of people. I don't do this. This is not what I do. So, but in any event, um, I used to be married. I met my ex in high school. I was a freshman. He was a senior. And so basically, we were high school sweethearts. And I married when I was 19. In that marriage, we had a daughter. And I was married for 27 years. You know, in my eyes, things were great. Not saying no relationship is perfect, but it was a good marriage. We did things together, you know, all of that. And in a single moment, my life changed forever. Um, I found out that he was having a child with someone else. 
And I've always said, you know, never say what you ain't going to do. Because, <laughs> you know, I've always said that, you know, infidelity, I ain't staying. I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not doing that. However, in that moment, even with the child on the way, I was willing to still stay in the marriage. So much so that I told him, if you're willing to fight for us, so am I. He told me, I don't love you. I don't want to be married to you. I want out. So how do you keep someone that doesn't want to be kept? So at that point, I resolved that my marriage was over. Whew, Jesus. So that was 13 years ago. I stand here today as someone who is stronger, wiser, more confident, and I know it was only by God's grace that I'm able to even stand here and even give this, because it is a testimony. It is a testimony. So, and I'm not saying that it was easy, <laughs> because it wasn't, but I can honestly tell you, for anybody that's going through anything, that just stand firm and believe that God will get you through whatever the situation is, because on the other side of through, it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I told her, I was like, gonna ask you some questions now. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I let her know that we're, we're, we're not doing a pop quiz, meaning we're not trying to surprise you. We're not trying to catch you off balance. But I want you to take some time to really think about it because you're sharing your story. And whatever you say, I want you to be comfortable that you've, you've, you've thought it through. So she's seen four questions. And she is obviously prepared to answer them. And we have identified uh, some individuals who are going to ask you those questions. And we're ready for the first question. Just say it's testing or something. Testing, testing. Okay. There you ready. go. <laughs> Can you share with us um, to what level you're comfortable and you would like to be transparent with us all today? Um, what was your emotional, mental, and spiritual state as you went through this adjustment and transition? And can you talk about, you know, what was stressing you and what you felt you were being attacked by and just how you let... Um, you just held on to God through that time. What carried you through those moments? You know, whether you were, it was something that was affecting your heart, something that was affecting your mind. So at whatever extent you would like to share, um, we'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Okay. So what was going through my heart, and I guess basically my emotional and mental state was... I think every emotion that you can think of, sadness, hurt, betrayal, um, and more so <coughs> anger. You know, I was angry, so much so that it almost consumed me. And I really had to 
I guess, step back. And it's like, you know, the Bible says, be angry, but sin not. So I really had to step back and like, okay, God, you know, don't let me say or do something that I can't take back, you know, because once you ring a bell, you can't unring it. And so at some point, you have to just sit there and just be quiet and just take whatever verbal abuse that's coming to you and just, you know, let it go. My main stressor, I believe, was financial and fear. Because number one, I married him at 19, so I left my father's house to his house. I'd never been on my own in my life. He also was the primary breadwinner. He made the most money. So how do you go from a one-income house, I mean, two-income household, to one-income household when you really don't make that much money? You know, you're responsible for you know, the Tico bill and the cable bill, you know, not the, the mortgage and the car payments. So, you know, how do you reconcile in your mind that you will be able to deal with this? And because of that, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, among other things, but I know that was one of the primary reasons that I was willing to stay because I was afraid to be on my own. I was afraid that I couldn't make it on my own. And so at that time, I can recall just continuously praying, God, please restore my marriage. God, please restore my marriage. And I remember um, going to church. It was in March of 2012. And my pastor, well, she wasn't my pastor at the time because I was just visiting. I hadn't joined the ministry. But I don't remember what the scripture was. I don't remember what the subject of her sermon was, was, but all I remember is her saying, stop praying for God to leave those things in your life that he's trying to move out the way. Whether it's that house that you're living in or that car that you're driving that you can't afford, or even that relationship. Instead, change your prayer to, God, whatever your will is for my life. You know, th that, that's what I want, that whatever you want for me, that's what I want. And so I remember praying that prayer, and I think the Sunday after that, I actually joined the ministry. And then I stopped praying altogether, like for my marriage, because I, now I didn't know what to pray. And it's like, okay, well, now what do I pray for? You, you know, maybe not restore my marriage. Maybe that's not what you want from me. So, you know, I just stopped praying um, about that. I didn't stop praying. I stopped praying about that. Um, <laughs> So in May of that same year, which I had planned a trip a year prior, because you know God knows what you need before you need it, and I didn't know I would need this trip a year ago, I went on a cruise with my girlfriends, and every morning at sunrise, I went to the Lido deck. And my prayer was very simple. It was like, God, if, you meet, if I'm meant to stay in this marriage, then I need you to fix it. If it's meant for me to leave, I need you to give me the strength and the provisions to walk away. Amen. Just that simple. I would sit there for 5, 10, 20, whatever minutes take, just enjoying the view, go back to my room, take a shower, get dressed, and go on about my day. I did that for five days. On that fifth day after I said that prayer, I had such a peace about me that I know I could walk away. And I was going to be okay. And it's a piece that, like you said, that piece that surpasses all understanding. 
And it's like, I can't even describe it to this day, but it was a piece that, God, you got me. I'm good. Whatever that is, I'm good. And so with that, y'all have to excuse me. I'm kind of going through. Um, I think that was basically it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that to get to the point to where you say, God, you got me. You're stepping on the water. God, you got me. You don't see any landing yet, so you're, you're, you're stepping out on, they say step out on faith. Mm -hmm. I would have to say that initial moment is probably the hardest for most people. That initial step to stay, you said something that was pretty interesting, that in your heart, you believe that you stayed because you thought you had to. That's me summarizing. Mm -hmm. You thought that you wouldn't have enough money to survive or you thought that because he made the most or, or whatever it is. When you switched to God as your source, that's when everything started changing. And I think a lot of people are looking at other people and other things as their source. Mm -hmm. And because they look at other things and other people as they source as their source, they stay in jobs longer than they should. They stay in friendships longer than they should. They stay in places that there's just really no reason once you know that God is there and God will always be there for you, for you to stay. And so I appreciate you sharing that because that, it, it shows a switch <laughs> in your mentality. And that switch comes with strength. And so I need to go find me a Lido deck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we got to get a cruise. We need to go and get stuff cleared up. You know what I mean? So we can think and let God speak to us too. Next question, please. You touched a little bit on um, just always having someone there and then transitioning back to a life of singleness. So can you talk to us a little bit about um, how you dealt with loneliness during that time? And um, how did God help you find peace? Because loneliness is not only applicable to going through a divorce, but that's dealing with losing a loved one, dealing with, you know, ending a close relationship. So it transcends, you know, different relationships and different situations. So can you talk to us a little bit about just how you dealt with loneliness and how God helped you through that thing? So the loneliness at the time, my daughter had just graduated from college, so she had moved back home. So as far as that, I, I guess my loneliness came more so at night or if I wanted to go to the movies or at dinner, to dinner. You know, you're so used to having that person that you did, did things with until, you know, that person's no longer there. You know, the, the life that I, that I had, that I thought I would have until death do us part, no longer existed. And so being back single, now, first of all, let me say, I love being married. I believe marriage is a good thing. Marriage is an amazing thing. Um, I've learned to embrace my singleness. 
because it's, it's who I am. Um, is this where I want to be forever? No, but is this where I, who knows what God has in store? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm single, but I'm not bitter anymore, um, if that makes sense. So um, I'm open to the possibilities. Whatever God has for me at this point in my life, hey, bring it on, God. You know, I'm ready. Let, let's do it. You know, if he out there, 6'2", 5'8", you know, whatever, you know, bring, bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> um, Right. So, yeah, exactly. 62. Okay, 62. <laughs> you right, you right. Um God filled, I guess, the void by surrounding me. First of all, he sent me to a church that where people loved on me, prayed on me, loved me unconditionally. Um I'm glad to see that my deacon is here. I call her my Tampa mom, where, and my pop, my mom and pop, um, that basically they were like my constant, like when I couldn't get to my mama, you know, I could go to her house and lay on her couch and cry, you know, so not only did she give me that maternal, but she also gave me that spiritual side where she would pray for me and just comfort me and just whatever. My brother and my sister. They um, invited me to family reunions and church events and, and everything. You know, and y'all don't have to stop now, just so you know. <laughs> but God restored relationships, you know, where I had probably neglected. You know, he, my best friend that lives in Maryland, her and her husband, um, sent me an airline ticket every three months to come to Maryland just to get away. You know, I met them in Japan. My ex-husband was in Marine Corps. So I met them there, and she is like my, I I couldn't love her more if she was a a, a blood relative of mine. She is like my constant. And so that allowed me to stay busy and not sit there and quote, unquote, have a pity party, you know, and, and, and feel sorry for myself because I was constantly on the go. And that that alone was, you know, that, that just basically God put people in my life to help me get through the loneliness and the dark nights and, you know, the dark times. And, you know, I just kept pressing forward, just kept pressing forward. Now, how many times have we shared the importance of your personal network? And remember, John F. Kennedy said, I think it was him, the time to repair your roof is when the sun is shining. Mm -hmm. The time to make your connections with the people who are going to be essential in your life is before life happens. Build your network of people who are going to be that hedge for you when you need a hedge, pray for you when you need praying. Build that now. How did she deal with loneliness? She kept busy. And she kept busy through people that, get this, most likely would not allow her to have a pity party. 
Because after, I said 27 years? 27 years. After 27 years, that's a long time to suddenly have a change and for the enemy not to be chipping away at your mind for you to sit in the house, close the blinds, wrap up in a blanket, and not go anywhere. But when you got the right network, they'll be on your ring camera. I know you in there. I know you in there. Open this door. Open this, open this door. Open this door. And I, I, heard the, I heard the reaction when she said she had the, her friend in Maryland every three months sending plane tickets. Having a mom in Tampa that's going to, baby, come over here. Because she said she cried on the couch. The worst thing somebody can do is try to convince you your emotions aren't real. And to try to over spiritualize it while you crying, right? Cause it hurt. <laughs> God created you. You are body and spirit. Sometimes in this life, things just hurt your emotions, hurt your body. That doesn't make you a weak Christian. It makes you human. And if you got to cry to get it out, to have a place to go where you can release those tears in safety is just as important, in my opinion, as somebody praying for you. Because if no one lets you get that out, you will walk around with that, that yeah, the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the hurt. Where's my third question? Yes, ma'am. How did you navigate relationships in these different seasons as you journeyed through your valley? I can only imagine that this season of your life came with some relationship shifts. Perhaps people you thought would be there were not. And surprisingly, people who you never imagined being a part of your life emerged as a good source of strength. What did, what did support look like for you, and did it change? And how did God provide peace within you through the relationships? <laughs> Divorce will show you who your friends really are. <laughs> you know, the, the people, you know, married people have married friends. When I was going through my divorce, the people that I thought were my friends basically shunned me. It was like, how did I put it? It was like being kicked out the club where you can no longer hang out with the cool kids. Um, and so um, it was a hard pill to, pill, pill to swallow. And it took me a while to figure out, I'm like, you know, I didn't do this. This is my fault, it, you know, it's not my fault. You know, why am I being penalized for something that he did? You know, why are you rejecting me because of his actions? And so like I said before, um, I navigated even support with that, again, my church, my family, where I learned to, I started to cultivate those relationships that I had neglected, you know, 
friends that I probably hadn't talked to. You know, you, you talk to them, hey, girl, how you doing, whatever, you know, five, ten minutes, and that's it. But you don't visit. You don't go out to lunch. You don't do all of that. You know, my brother lived less than what? Maybe ten maybe, minutes. I don't maybe. Even, maybe five, seven maybe. minutes. You know, we didn't visit. You know, my sister and I, we didn't really do stuff together. You know, no reason. Just they doing their thing. I'm doing mine. And not that they, I didn't know. I knew they loved me. They knew I loved them. But we had our own thing going on. And in that moment, you, you sit back and it's like, hey, wait a minute. So these folks that I thought were my friends and loved me, you know, they only loved me in that season. However, I have these friends over here that have loved me a lifetime, that they are there for me, you know, even though I didn't realize it, you know, God brings those things back to your memory, like, hey, you got family over there. You know, what you sitting over here feeling sorry for yourself for? You know, call your family, rekindle those relationships, you know, reach out to those people. You know, I've given you this church family where they are loving, they are non-judgmental, you know, whatever you need, whether it's mental, emotional, financial, whatever it is, I've put people in your path that will be there for you, you know, but you got to go out and get it. You know, I put it there, but I, I'm just, you know, you got to do something to, 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 to make it work. And so that, that's, that's pretty much um, what it was. And, and I want to say publicly, I don't think I've ever told Ben and Greta this, that you have no idea what you did for me during that time, the impact it had on my life, that what it did to my state of mind to be brought in as, I know I was family, but to actually feel the love and the, the support, the unconditional love that you two gave me. I, I just, I can't thank you enough. And so... Mm. And please know when, I, when I'm crying, it's not tears of sadness, it's tears of joy. Because I'm thinking about where I was, what I went through, and where God has bought me. And mm, nobody but God. It's just, I'm full. I'm just full of gratitude. So it was it was a daily it was a daily choice it was a daily choice to make a choice to either give up or keep going. And I chose to keep going. I, I chose to keep going. It was that that was it, you know? Like Nike said, just do it. You just do you just do it. You just do it. and give her her last one. <laughs> yeah, you see, she... One of, the, one of the things that... I, I may have shared this already. I'm the youngest. My sister's in the middle, and we have an older brother. My sister lived in Brandon. She and her husband at the time. He was a Marine recruiter when I was at University of South Florida. And she gave me a key to her place. And me and many times my roommate 
would come over. She'd feed us. She'd tell me stories. I don't remember it this way, but she, she says, I would start my laundry but not finish it. <laughs> and so she came home and actually finished it. Being a parent, I believe that's true. <laughs> I've seen that happen, but I didn't remember that part. But she fed me. I remember so many nights driving home after midnight. Um, my sister has always, to me, been like one of the top loves of my life. But when she says that we live close, we did. Literally maybe five minutes away from each other. We both worked downtown and walking distance from each other. We didn't go to lunch together or nothing like that because she said this, we're doing our thing and she's doing her thing. I thank God, though, for this day. Not just this day on stage, but the day that he brought us back full circle to have the relationship that is not just where it was, but that is growing by leaps and bounds. And so it, it, it means a lot. Last question. <laughs> Did you ever think about succumbing to your situation and throwing in the towel? Did you ever think about just giving up? Obviously, even if you did, you didn't stay there in that mindset, else you wouldn't be where you're at right now. How did God help you shake that mindset and get you, get you back moving forward from your then to your now? Well, <laughs> giving up was never, not, was never an option. And I say this because I remember my, my house, to me, was my sanctuary. And it had become like a combat zone. Not physically, but emotionally, mentally, and verbally. It was, it was unbearable. And so the day that I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. I remember talking, going to my ex, and it's like, I'm out. I'm leaving. And he looks at me, and he's like, you leaving? And I'm like, yes. And he turns to me and says, well, where are you going? You can't go nowhere. You can't make it without me. <laughs> and I turned to him and I said, watch me. Wait, oh, can you put a praise right there? <laughs> can you put, watch me. And it was at that moment that I was determined, no matter what, I was going to make it, if nothing else, to prove him wrong. You know, and being to prove him wrong, oh, I'm going to make it. I don't know how yet right now, but, but we, we, I'm going to make it. Um, and I actually remember looking for a lease. And at that time, my credit was bad. I mean bad. Because the decisions, he decided he didn't want to pay the mortgage. So, of course, you know, everything's joint. So whatever affected him affected me. And I remember... Um, putting in my application, it was through a management company, and I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because, you know, at some point you have to have faith, you know, and faith untested is not faith. 
Um, so I remember signing the lease, and when they approved me, I went, got the keys, and I remember sitting on the floor in this empty apartment with tears streaming down my eyes, and all I could say is, like, God, you did this. You did this. Because there is no way that I should have ever <laughs> been able to get an apartment in my name by myself without a cosigner, <laughs> with the kind of credit that I had at the time. It, it, it was just, it, it just, it, it shouldn't have happened. And so, mm, I remember, <laughs> since I never had the mindset of giving up, that it was still difficult. You know, you still think to yourself, like, you know, why am I in this situation? You know, why am I going through this? I ain't do this. I didn't deserve this. You know, why, 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 why me? I was broke. <laughs> I was struggling. You know, and he appeared to be out there living his best life. You know, not a care in the world. And I remember in 2011, <laughs> that Ben sent me an email, and it had, you know, all this stuff encouraged, because you know how he is, he's encouraging, you know, his words are soothing or whatever, but he sent something to me that I, out of that entire, me I printed the email, and I cut that out, and I have it on my desk to this day, and he said, and I quote, he said, forward movement and fight are inevitable when there is no quit in you. You are cut from great cloth. You will succeed, and your destination shall be greater than your present position. You know what? <laughs> she sent me that. I, didn't, I never know she kept that. When she was preparing for today, she sent me that. And I sent it. To she, she sent me a picture. You guys have that picture? That image? Just so you can see it. I never know she pinned it on her desk. She cut that out of an email. I added the Benjamin F. Smith 2011. <laughs> so. <laughs> I never knew she did yeah. that. So today I stand here, I sit to you, sit here, I'm whole, I'm healed. I've been able to move and purchase a home. On wait, my wait, right, on the own, wait, first the home. On my own, in my name. By myself, <laughs> it's been, it'll be nine years next month. Um, mm, that when just three years ago, before I purchased my home, I had bad credit. My income was mediocre at best. But even in my lack, I was still a tither. I never, ever stopped tithing. Because I was at the point, I figured, you know what? I ain't got enough money to pay these bills anyway. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to take my, my, my chance with Tico and Pasco County water. You know, I'm not going to rob God. I'm, that's, yeah. I'm not going to. Will a man rob God except in tithing <laughs> office? Nope, not me. I ain't doing that. So, but I can honestly say, even in my lack, there was not one day <laughs> that I missed a rent payment. 
there was not one day that my lights were turned off, that I didn't have no water. When I tell you God provided, his provisions are unmatched that you cannot even explain. Because the math wasn't mathing in my account. It, you know, it, it just wasn't mathing. But whenever there was a need, he always provided. Always. So let me give you a story of just how good God is. So I had a boss from 20 years ago. Then I, she worked with the company that I was with. And when she left, she told me, she goes, I'm going to come back and get you one day. She, I worked for a law firm, so she was an associate. Wasn't even a partner. You know, and you, you know, you look, I was like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, maybe, you know, thinking to myself, I ain't said. So even though she moved away, she moved to Indiana with her then-husband, you know, we always kept in touch. It wasn't constantly, but we kept in touch. We probably lost touch probably like for a four-year period or so. During COVID, when I, one day out of the blue, she sent me a text. And she says, are you ready to come work for me now? So my response to her was like, LOL, because I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and she says, I'm serious. So I'm thinking, OK, let's see what you're talking about. And she says, what would it take for you to come work for me? Now, mind you, the job, the the firm I was with, I had been there for 18 years. So leaving a job for 18 years, security, talking about going somewhere unknown. But my response to her was like, pay me. Her response to me was like, name your price. <laughs> oh, you want to put a praise right yeah. now? <laughs> that's the kind of office I like. Because <laughs> I can think of numbers. Right. Right. I can think of numbers. Okay. So, yeah. so the old me you know, would have probably just thrown out a number. But I told her, I said, you know what? I said, give me a day. Give me a day. You know, I prayed about it. I'm like, okay, Lord, first of all, I know this is you because how you get a job when you ain't looking for a job in, in COVID? You know, people ain't hired. People sitting at home, you know. Um, and so I prayed, and God gave me this number. And I'm thinking, like, these people ain't going to pay me that. You know, I'm like, okay. Called her back, and I'm like, okay. This is what it would take for me to come work with you. Without hesitation. She said, okay, HR be calling you. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, for real? For real? Nobody but God could have orchestrated that. Nobody. So to sum that all up, here I am today a person who has experienced divorce, bankruptcy, being broken to someone who has a, who's an owner, who's a homeowner with good credit, <laughs> having a job that I absolutely love with people that I couldn't have imagined. We actually have a prayer group at work, which is unheard of. So with people that I love, and I tell you, and my salary, by the way, was doubled <laughs> from what I was making. So when, when, when I tell you when God says that if you're faithful over a few things, <laughs> I will make you ruler over many. 
you, you just can't make me doubt him. Like I said, I remember Ben telling me another time, he says, if you were to tell me that God is not faithful, you would have had to get to me before now. Because I have too much evidence now to know that he is not a liar. He is true to his word. If he said it, believe it. I am whole. I am healed. I am happy. And I am at peace. And when I tell you life is good, on this side, I just, I'm, I'm, in, I'm waiting in anticipation to see what else God has for me. And at this moment, at this point in my life, my primary focus is to purposely pursue peace. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be able to share and 27 years worth of coming out of 13 years after that, you know we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more because there was a, there's, there's a daughter involved and there's all kind of things. I'm, I'm going to steal a little of her thunder because she didn't mention this. And I want y'all to know, for whoever it is, Whoever hears this in the future or anyone here, she says she married at 19. And going from base to base as they moved to Japan and all these other places, she would always, you know, in her mind, I'll get a degree someday. But she's been, she's been the wife. And so she, it, it was way before the days of online school. You know, everything is online now, but she might take a class or two and when she's stationed here and but just never really finish. Suddenly, boom, you're not married anymore. Got time. But there's no, there's, you don't have that nursing degree or, or accounting degree because you never really got it because you were being the good wife, you were being the good mom, you were taking care and following the vision as, as you saw it. But today, <laughs> how, how with, with all the, the bankruptcy and working and keeping things balancing and in many cases having to leave and get the class, drive there and make it on time, how close are you now? I am three classes away from my bachelor's. <laughs> three classes away from her bachelor's. <laughs> I don't know, that math don't get me, though. I just said, math. math. Ain't gonna, <laughs> hey, life ain't get you. Math yeah. don't stand a chance. <laughs> I want to thank you. Thank you for, for blessing us with your song, and thank you for having the courage. One of the things that we often find is when people go through things, they have that testimony on the inside. And even as believers, you will quote out of Revelations, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word. But that testimony unspoken does no one any good. 
And I'm going to tell you this now. The more you are willing to share in forums and to free up other people that have gone through things, yes, yes. God will continue to let your voice be heard Amen. and free people. I, I, I pray that it's also been for you good to just therapeutic. Just, ex, just express it. Amen. Because I know for me, it was, it was a blessing to hear it. And I love you. And we're going to keep doing our things every month. Absolutely. And for everyone here, if you don't mind, just put your hands together one more time and thank her for doing this. We celebrate. Yes. Here. She says, can I, can I get off the stage now? <laughs> yes, you may. Family, we're going to close this session off with a, with a, 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 a quick prayer. But our prayer today is something we're going to say together. Say this with me. Say, God, I thank you. For always being there, for being present in my life, for being a provider, a protector, a comforter, and whatever else I need. You are a good shepherd. And going forward, I will keep my heart and mind set on you starting today. When I look back over my life and I can see how you brought me through, I will share it with others. I will help free them from whatever bondage they are in. I thank you, God, and I cherish you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.